my name is Teresa Hildebrand, and this is Organized Chaos. We take a deep dive into living with intentionality, focusing on what's important in our lives so we can truly feel our best. It may feel chaotic at times, but with a little organization, the right mindset, and a ton of self-love, we can still thrive. Join me as we talk to other busy moms and experts who will share tips and strategies to help you reach your goals. Hope you enjoy this episode of Organized Chaos. Now, on to the show. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Organized Chaos. So today I have a special guest. Her name is Stell Coombe-Heath. She is the number one authority in helping busy women stop binge eating. She is on a mission to help a million women have a better relationship with food and their body. Stell is a transformational health, life coach, cognitive behavioral therapist, podcast host, and published author. She struggles with a disordered relationship with food and her body for over 13 years, battling two eating disorders, body dysmorphia, and emotional eating. She is now passionate about a future where women and young girls are no longer ashamed of their bodies. From a background in business analytics, Stell now leads various programs on changing mindset around life and eating. As a holistic health recovery specialist and coach, Stell infuses yoga, mindfulness, and emotional resilience into her consultations with clients. Stell's sessions encourage clients to dive into self-transformation through self-actualization. So now let's dive into this interview with Stell Coombe-Heath. All right. Thank you guys so much for joining us again for another episode of Organized Chaos. Um, as I mentioned earlier, I have Stell Coombe-Heath here with us today. Thank you so much for being with us today. Hello, Teresa. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> yes, I'm so excited. So can you tell us a little bit more about you? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thank you for asking. So um, I am a binge and emotional eating recovery specialist. And um, I do this because I struggled for over 13 years with a disordered relationship with food. Um, it started off with me not really caring about my health at all. And um, I went then on a healthy eating plan, started running, um, things started looking good for me, but I still struggled with binge eating. And no matter what I tried for over 13 years, um, I tried over 25 diets in my life. Uh, and they all just kind of didn't work for me and aggravated my situations. So my um, eating issues developed into two different eating disorders, uh, binge eating disorder and orthorexia. Um, and I still struggled with uh, body dysmorphia and um, severe emotional eating. And I basically eventually found someone who was able to help me through the process. And um, she basically just helped me lean into my own gifts, which is teach yoga teach. I was a yoga teacher at the time. Um, teaching yoga, uh, my energy healing, um, also some of my other modalities into um, finding a way out of that pattern that I was in. Um, and yeah, eventually um, I was able to break free of that. I've been binge free for over three years now. And now I help women um, do the same and have a better relationship with food in their bodies. And I'm on a mission to help a, a million women um, actually through that process. And yeah, that's, that's where I am today. <laughs> wow. And thank you for sharing your story. 
Um, I, I want to know if there was maybe like a moment, like a pivotal moment that made you realize that you, there was something that had to change. Was there a moment like that for you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So in 2015, I had a blood clot on my brain. Mm. Um, and this was due to complications with contraception. So, um, yeah, all of a sudden I'm in hospital. Um, I've just gotten the news about this blood clot in my brain. And even though I was worried about this life-threatening thing, I was more worried about the fact that I had no control over the food I was getting in hospital, the hospital food. And also I felt frustrated because I couldn't go and run and burn, burn it off. (laughs) And that in that moment, I realized, wow, this is not just, this is more of an obsession. It's not just a healthy lifestyle. Um, It's gone overboard. And in that moment, I knew that. Some of my behaviors is is not healthy and something needed to change. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty, pretty, pretty scary uh, situation. And here I'm worried about my what I'm eating and, <laughs> and exercise. Yeah. And was there, I mean, obviously, you know, once you recovered, um, was there like research that you did or was there something that uh, or a resource that you seeked in order to start uh, making some changes? Yeah, so I pretty much like focused then on just getting the um, healing, the blood clots, um, which eventually it did with with the right medication and rest and everything. Um, but then my focus was just getting back into my normal routine. So I kind of push that notion of that realization that there's something wrong to the side and I try to go back to where I was but it stuck in the back of my mind that there is this problem so I started looking at um I went to go see a psychologist um and according to statistical diagnostics back then um my symptoms were not severe enough to be classified as some any eating disorder. So she just said to me, I just needed to manage my stress levels better. I went to um, see a dietitian. They basically told me just to be more disciplined on my eating plan. <laughs> wow. um, I saw, I even thought, well, you know, I thought, well, again, maybe this is a food problem. I went to see a macro coach and she just told me to just, through my urges mm. <laughs> and unfortunately where I was at that you know there was that was unfortunately I felt even more um helpless and I thought there was something wrong with me because through all this advice I'd follow what they'd say and I'd still have this problem and through the struggle I actually decided I wanted to help people with their health um, and I studied health coaching and unfortunately the health coaching is um, was amazing the studies was amazing and I learned so much but that's also now because I was a health coach needing to be an example for others 
I fell back into my body needed to look perfect. I needed to be thin to be an example for others. Um, and that's what kind of aggravated my symptoms even more. Mm-hmm. However, um, through the health coaching um, platforms, I actually met someone who studied through through the same institute who specialized in disordered eating and eating disorders. Um, and in um, one night after one of my absolute worst binge eating episodes ever, I just broke down in tears. I had my, um, I was actually um, home alone. I was hugging my dog <laughs> uh, and I just, I bawled my eyes out and I was like, that's it. I cannot, I cannot do this anymore. Like that was the moment where it was like, I've known I had this problem, but it, this was the pivotal moment where I said, that's it. Something needs to be done. So I messaged this lady and we had a conversation and she actually said, well, let's, let me help you just get on, on track. And she did. Um, and I'm so glad I reached out to her because, um, yeah, I felt hopeless. And she actually just guided me through the process of saying, well, no, the, the, these are the symptoms of your what's going on for you. And she guided me into going, well, this it's only natural because this is what you were trying to do to fix it. And unfortunately, it was backfiring. So, yeah, she kind of helped me to, in um you know, get into a path and on the right direction. So, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, it must've felt great to find someone who was really listening, right? Because it sounded like, well, it it seems pretty obvious that people were dismissive of what you were going through. Um, And then even when you said, when you were um, a health coach, maybe trying to, um, be, you know, that perfect coach, which, I mean, there's no one who is perfect, but, um, there's, there's always that, that thing that we feel like we need to be, but there's always, you know, people who struggle or people who are going through something can always help other people so much more because they are going through it. Um, and they Mm -hmm. can understand, Right. Um, And, you know, going back to, you know, the person who really kind of opened that door for you and helped you and really listened to you, um, you know, must have felt amazing to kind of um, to to encounter her and and start moving forward. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It was like I was finally someone understood what I was going through. Um, And, you know, I think. I must say the um, the knowledge and things about binge eating disorder and stuff has come a long way since mm-hmm. um, since 2015. So you know, I guess there would be a lot more people who would understand that right now. But yeah, at the time, I, it was like a breath of fresh air having someone go, "Yeah, yeah, I've been through that, and um, I had to deal with that." And so yeah, it was so lovely to just know that someone has been there and understood it. And um, I find the same with, um, and I'm grateful that um, I never thought I would be helping people with binge eating, <laughs> to be honest. Um, I'm grateful that I've, you know, understand what my clients are going through so that I can help them. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like your your journey became your superpower, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. 
Mm-hmm. So, so let's talk a little bit about that in how you help others, um, you know, go through what you went through. Yes. So um, I have a one-on-one coaching program, or I've actually last year um, created a group program where I help my clients with a step-by-step process just to move away from um, where they are to rewiring their brain into being okay and at peace with food um, and starting to just have a more understanding and accepting relationship with themselves and their bodies um, and just more into a space of what I like to call food freedom um, or just feeling free from the holds that that obsession um, that food can have on them. That's wonderful. Um, So what are some of the things that that come up with um, your clients that really hold people back uh, in making progress? Yeah, so I think the first thing when we start off is this belief that food is the problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but food is actually the symptom or food is sometimes the crutch that's just holding the person together. And that is the only thing that's kind of um, supporting the whoever's going through something in that moment. And when they try and fix it and they take food away and, and um, because that's normally what happens with, um, and that was my thinking too, is, Food is the problem, so I need to cut more of it out. I need to isolate a food group and not have that in my eating plan because that's what's tempting me into my binge eating, for example. So, um, and usually when I start having conversations with my clients about that particular food and the memories they've had about the first time they've had that food, whatever, there was a, a positive reason for that food to be there. And in times when um, maybe, you know, when their symptoms initially was triggered, that particular food came back as that's almost memory or just soothing them. So, yeah, that is one big thing that I see a lot of people do is they um, focus on the food instead of the actual underlying issues. That's interesting. You say that I had, um, listened to a podcast and, um, it was, it was a life coach and they were talking about a client who, uh, would, um, she had this really strange relationship with, uh, icing and it, it, she came to find out that the reason was because, um, it reminded her of when her and her mother would bake um, in her childhood. So she used that as a, as a coping mechanism for, you know, when she was really struggling. So I can, I, you know, I can see that. Um, um, one other thing that um, I wanted to ask was when someone is going through your program, is there this um, like a methodology or a process that you take someone through Um, Or does it depend on, you know, the severity of, um, you know, the the person's situation? Mm, Yeah, thank you for asking. So, yes, I have um, what I 
called my binge-free blueprint. So whether my clients are working with me one-on-one or whether they are in one of my challenges or a group program, my principles are based on that methodology. And it's based on three three steps. The first one is healing the relationship with food. Mm. If we can't get that relationship right and having someone feel safe around food, unfortunately, we can't um, start working with even the underlying causes, if that makes yeah. makes sense, because they feel so threatened um, or, you know, just in, in a space of, you know, if, if we look at like Mesra, um, I can't even remember the hierarchy of needs, mm-hmm. um, it's safety comes first. Yeah. And if you don't feel safe with something that sustains you, unfortunately, your behaviors will always ignore or, you know, working on any emotional things will kind of just fall off the wayside. So we start with feeling safe with food and making peace with food. Then we go into what I call healing emotional wounds. And here's where we actually, I don't like digging into the past that much, but it helps to understand where these triggers come from or like we were talking about why that food helps them in in the first place and from that perspective um we can start just healing um you know at a deeper understanding of ourselves and with compassion I think that's where people start understanding oh wow okay that's that's why I do that and that's why I lean to that and I'm able to now um heal that and I also, in this phase, we also deal with any emotional things that currently come up for them, like their stress levels um, or, you know, anything that's currently happening that could still be triggering um, some of those wounds. And I find that only once we do that, then we can move into building lasting habits. Mm. So usually my programs are between 8 to 16 weeks. Um, and that is because you can't just change in overnight, right? There's, um, if we want to cement things in and we want to reform our beliefs, it takes time to break the old ones and to build, build a new pathway, new pathways in the brain. Yeah. And do you have some type of, well, once someone goes through your program, are there different tools that um, people walk away with that will help them, um, you know, continue to progress and, um, you know, fall, not fall back? Yes, absolutely. So um, I actually have a, a library of tools that go with each week of my program. And those tools are I give to my clients for life so that they can come back to it if, if they need. Um, so, but the tools usually just include, um, depending on what we learn in the session, but I use different modalities. We lean into principles of mindful eating and intuitive eating. Um, I give them methods to apply that practically. Uh, I, we use for example, meditations, which I give them the recordings to, they can go back to that. We do EFT tapping sessions. So there's um, 
when they're done, they have a massive toolbox that they get to walk away with um, and lean on um, for that support. Um, yeah, so <laughs> I feel like they once they kind of leave, they're equipped with, um, with ways of dealing with things, but also the belief that they can do this and they've got this. That's, that's great. And um, what are some of maybe warning signs for someone who doesn't know if they have um, an eating disorder or they have some type of disordered way of eating? What are some of the warnings, warning signs that people can watch out for? Okay. Yeah. So um, warning signs for disordered eating is usually um, severe restriction of food. So someone who's constantly on a diet, someone who might feel like they um, self-sabotage all the time. Um, it might be um, severe obsession with uh, calories, counting calories or macros and you know, counting every single step and how many calories that was, obsession with the scale. Um, you know, in my journey, I would get on the scale twice a day. One of my friends, she actually uh, wrote a book about this, but she would get on the scale three to four times a day. Like it, it becomes like an obsession. Um, from an orthorexia perspective, uh, the obsession with eating everything healthy and pure and clean and toxic free. Um, and one big sign for me was the obsessive food thoughts. So it was either thinking of like just fantasizing about eating uh, certain foods. I'd literally sit at my desk and see pastries almost floating past my head. Um, or I wake, I would wake up in the morning wanting to, thinking about what I'm going to eat to make up for yesterday. How am I going to do this? When am I going to run? Um, so it take it kind of consumes your entire life. Mm -hmm. um, so those are pretty much some of the, the warnings. Obviously, if we go more into the more severe spectrum, it's, um, you know, fasting for, for very long periods of time. Um, it's, um, you know, purging in the form of, you know, making yourself sick or using um, laxatives or any forms to, you know, um, kind of get rid of, of food. Also purging in the form of over-exercise. So mm -hmm. for me, I ran 60 to 100 kilometers a week and I would still go to the gyms. Some days I would run eight kilometers eight to 12 kilometers to the gym, work out for two hours and then run back home. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so those are some of the symptoms um, to look out for. And I think people assume that you can identify eating disordered or disordered eating by what someone looks like, but it's usually, it's usually not the case. Not everyone who's overweight has a binge eating issue. You know, not everyone who is underweight is anorexic for it or has a bulimia issue. Um, so we, we can't really judge by what we by appearance. And these behaviors are obviously very, very secretive. So you're not going to know about it. Um, one other thing that, that I used to do as well is hide food packaging or 
secret eating. Um, so yeah, those are, um, and how I like to, to think about your relationship with food is comparing it to a relationship with, with, a, with your partner. If you are sneaking, if you are hiding, if you are dishonest about what you eat, um, if you are obsessive, <laughs> that relationship is not going to be in a good space, whether it's you or, or the other person. So, yeah, that's that's a good way to kind of check in and see where you're at. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought up the the fact that you you can't really tell there's you know, just by looking at someone that something mm. may be going on. So I appreciate that. Um, is there anything else that uh, we haven't chatted about that you would want our listeners to know? Yeah, I think, you know, if, if anyone is listening and they are struggling with this, these experiences or these symptoms, I think the first thing that I would like for you to know is there's nothing wrong with you if currently you're using food or you're obsessing over food. Um, somewhere along the line, um, what we experience is a loss of control sometimes or a trauma. Um, and that leads us into trying to rein back what we can control. And usually that is food or we think we can control our bodies. Um, or, you know, we just... We live in an emotional eating society or cultures where food is everything. So somewhere along the line, you've learned to lean onto food um, as a coping mechanism. So there's, there's nothing wrong with you in this moment. There is a way out. Um, you just need to take a, take a breath and find, find someone to help you if you're really worried I think the best thing you can do is find someone that will help you look for someone who is a specialist in disordered eating. Don't just go see the run of the mill person, which I think that was my mistake um, in the first place. Um, but go see someone who can actually help you with um, eating issues um, and who's either had the experience or has experience in helping people in that area. Um, and those people, trust me, they will not judge you. They will usually hold you in a space of love and compassion. And yeah, that's usually my biggest thing with my clients is I try and hold their create a space where they are feel open and safe to share and be open about what's happening for them. Yeah. Well, thank you, Stel. This was so informative and um, such great information. How can people get a hold of you if they want more information on you or your program? Yes, absolutely. So um, they're welcome to go to my website, wholesomelifestyleproject.com. Uh, my Instagram handle is also wholesomelifestyleproject. I have a, a podcast as well called Beyond Overeating by Wholesome Lifestyle Project. So they're welcome to come and find me there. Um, I've also published a food and mood journal, which is out on Amazon. Um, so look for Stalcoom Heath food and mood journal on Amazon. Perfect. And I will include all of that information in the show notes so people can click on the links. Well, thank you so much again, Stel, for your time. I know we're, <laughs> there's a 19 hour difference between the two of us. So I do appreciate you uh, coming on here and sharing your oh, expertise with us. Well, thank you so much for having me. 
Hey, before you go, if you're enjoying this content, please consider subscribing to my email list. You'll get updates on the podcast and extra tips and motivation so you can gain clarity and start living with intentionality. Just go to www.organizedchaospodcast.com to subscribe. Hey, if you love listening to the podcast, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. On iTunes, go to the show and scroll to the bottom underneath ratings and reviews and click on write a review. Thanks so much for listening and tune in to our next episode.